listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode two. 196. Four shy of 300, Mark. Four shy of 300. If you want to sponsor the 300th episode, you better hurry up and talk to us because it's right around the corner. It's literally in a month, right? Yeah, yeah, in a month. Two things, or actually three things, Paige. First thing is, by the time you hear this, we will be at Sarah Week. So if you're also going to be at Sarah Week, come find us. I think I have 13 of the OGG and hosts actually signed up we'll be all over the place we at the press room recording podcasts so if you're there come find us we'd love to meet you in person second thing guess what we're doing what it's our first industry mixer 2023 oh end of march end of march march 30th right here in houston the link will be in the show notes we do these every month we had a took us a little while this year to get things rolling again it's gonna be endeavor technologies and we're gonna get back to that later when we talk about the, some of the news articles but it's just a cool gathering of oil and gas business leaders. Everybody feels safe because it's us. You're behind the OGG and firewall. It's a little It'd bit be kind of weird if I didn't feel safe. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit of money to get in. I think it's 20 bucks for a ticket. Yeah. But a part of our proceeds goes to Red M to help fight human sex trafficking. So come join us. Come help us save a little boy, a little girl's life. And meet your oil and gas peers. Have some fun. There'll be prizes. We're going to have a podcast that we're actually be interviewing the sponsor, which will be on the side. We're also having the Roman Reporter section. And if you're thinking about maybe sponsoring one of these with us, I think we have six left for this year. So if you want to sponsor one, it's cheap. It's 3500 bucks. You get a ton of exposure. We shoot video. You get a podcast episode for you and your company. And like I said, the profits go to help fight human sex trafficking. So it's a win-win all the way around. And then finally, why is our producer sitting in here? Oh, because we're going to have margaritas later. Oh, uh, okay. So the production first and then the fun second. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Okay. For sure. It's just kind of cool to have Audrey in here. We usually, everything we do is remote. It's nice to actually have her here in person. Right. Are you going to produce anything in person, Audrey? She doesn't have a microphone, so she can't answer. <laughs> She's just looking at you like, no. And then finally, as far as reviews, you've heard me say this a hundred times before we get the review. We have a new way to leave a review, thanks to Audrey. And it's uh, make you can click on it no matter what technology you're on, even on Linux. And if you want to try to remember, it's lovethepodcast.com forward slash OGDW. You want to read the review? Yeah, it's actually from Ludwig that always writes in, five-star must-listen. The show is a must-listen Talking common sense energy, talking about what's happening. If you're not working in the oil and gas sector, it keeps you up. With the European energy crisis, this show offers insight on how to solve all quickly. Thanks, Ludwig. Actually, the big thank you, Ludwig. It's nice to him to actually leave us a review. Yeah. Yeah, since he writes in all the time. Oh, wait, it gets better. What? So Ludwig left me a Twitter video for the next First Friday Q&A. Oh, okay. So I'm actually have the audio when we do our next First Friday Q&A. That sounds complicated. Yeah, let's see if we can pull it off. Okay. All right. All right, so let's get into the news stories. First one, London's Oil Party Week is back. So this has not happened since the pandemic. This is International Energy Week, which has been going on forever Think of it as a combination, maybe not as high end as Sarah Week, but definitely higher end than OTC without the technology focus. Mm -hmm. And this is quite frankly where the entire world 
leaves their bosses and their wives and their girlfriends and their husbands, significant other. They show up in London to party and have fun and learn more about the oil and gas industry. A lot of money exchanges hands at this event. We get invited all the time. We have yet to be able to make it. I think this year, a lot of the focus is going on between what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and how that's affecting the oil and gas industry. Looking at Chinese demand going up, I think those would be two of the biggest talking points there. But they're going to be talking about Everything, including the name page, one of the things is the organizers changed their name to International Energy Week because it used to be International Petroleum Week. And I totally get it. But remember I talked a while back of how there's starting to be a little bit of pushback against renewables? Yeah. Now people are asking if they can change the name back to International Petroleum Week, which I think is kind of cool. Now, it's up to the organization to do whatever they think is best. The other thing I think is interesting is one of the main speakers there is Bernard Looney, the CEO of BP. Uh And remember, they changed this to International Energy Week. Remember, BP was very bullish on renewables and nothing against renewables. Then Bernard had to come back and say, look, yeah, we probably put too much money too quickly. So it's going to be interesting to see if he talks more about their hydrocarbon business, their renewable business, which is what he's done for the last couple of years. But, you know, once again, good to see this conference coming back in person. It hasn't been in person since the pandemic. Good to see the money that's going to be brought to London, to all the hotels and the restaurants and everything. It's going to be a crazy week. If you're going to the conference, great. You're going to have a good time. If you're not going to the conference, I'd probably stay away from London until this is over with. <laughs> no kidding. All right. Boom to hold Gulf of Mexico oil, gas, lease sales in March. About freaking time. (laughs) Bureau of Ocean Energy Management. Yeah, but they're doing the right thing. This was mandated by Inflation Reduction Act. They had to have sales no later than March 31st, and they're doing it, what'd you say, March? (laughs) March 29th. 29th. So they're meeting the letter of the law. There's a lot of different rules and regulations for these lease sales, a lot around around protected species, potential conflicts with other maritime uses, which I actually like. We have so many subsea pipelines out there that I like as we develop more of the Gulf of Mexico. They actually put rules and regulations in about certain size ships, certain size anchors how you anchor, how you have to report if there's an incident with that. Same way with the protected species. They're not actually going crazy with the protected species stuff. It's stuff that's legit, like the Florida manatees. So I like where this thing is going. The other thing that they go into a little bit here is for the first time, we're going to have an offshore wind lease sale. Now, if you've paid any attention to the news on the east and west coast, both coasts have been doing offshore wind leases, and they're starting to get pushback from all the crazy places, the environmentalists. Mm. The wind offshore is getting pushed back from environmentalists because there's been an increase in number of whales beaching themselves, and they think it might be connected to the development of wind offshore. Now, unfortunately, they're wrong. Whales have spent millions of years learning how to survive in the ocean, and the extra noise, the extra physical facilities of a wind turbine in the water, the whale knows it's there. It's not causing them to beach. The, the whales are beaching for another reason. We don't know what it is, but it is interesting to see the environmentalists get involved and in want to stop wind lease sales. I haven't heard anything about They're just yet. messy. They just want to get in everybody's business. Well, that's another discussion. I actually had it on Michael's Brain Pub. I got interviewed yesterday about that. And there's an anti-human part of all that that I haven't figured out. Like, it's almost like some of the extreme environmentalists feel like we just need to get rid of people. And if we get rid of people- Well, then they wouldn't exist. <laughs> they wouldn't exist. And but I don't want to go down that on this yeah, show, right? Yeah. But I have heard no pushback on the proposed wind leases in the Gulf of Mexico. And I actually think the wind leases in the Gulf of Mexico are, are win-win for everybody. First thing, you build structure for wildlife, right? So it's good for the Gulf of Mexico. It's good for the fisheries there. Second thing is, 
I love the idea of generating wind energy to power all production platforms instead of hauling diesel for generator sets, right? To me, it's just like the perfect marriage, right? And then it's jobs, the same amount of engineering, procurement, construction, the same type of construction, more or less, that it takes to build an offshore production platform is what it takes to build an offshore wind platform. So this is just more jobs for the people in the Gulf Coast. And then my favorite thing is you want to guess where they want to put the first handful of windmills, wind farms where? in the Gulf of Mexico? We're off the coast of Lake Charles. <laughs> and I don't know why that tickles me to death. <laughs> I'm just picking a picture of a bunch of Cajuns at two in the morning with, after a beer or two, <laughs> driving out there in a 20-foot skiff and trying to recharge something. From <laughs> and Lake Charles, I love you. I'm from Louisiana. I love you. But you won't drive over that bridge. If you know what she's talking about, you know the rusty bridge on I-10? I refuse to drive over it, so I go around it because I'm just the corrosion. At the I just kind of go, me. if it's my time, it's my time. Yeah. Actually, if there's any structural engineers that are listening, that have driven over that bridge in Lake Charles and I tend let me know if I'm right and I should be concerned or that the corrosion is just surface and I don't need to be worried about it. Mm, I can't wait to hear in about that. All right, so let's move on. Spoilers, the rig renewed for a second season. Now, I remember putting this originally in, I think it was in an episode I wasn't on. Maybe Jordan was here to talk about it. It was somebody that covered this. I think it was Jordan. Yeah. But I tried to watch this, Mark. I don't even know what they were saying. I couldn't even, the accent was so thick, I had no idea what they were saying. So I had to put on subtitles, and I was just like, I can't. You know what, this, nah. It was pretty boring. So remind me of that next time we go to Aberdeen. Cause oh, once, no, once it's going to be horrible. No, once you're there in person, you pick it up rather quickly. And that's a beautiful spot of the world. So it's cool about this. So what we're talking about is a series put on, actually, Amazon Studios. Big shout out to Amazon, sponsor of ours. They're put on the series that is called The Rig. The, the Rig. It's sort of a supernatural mystery. It takes place in an offshore rig. And what I loved about the series, I watched a couple of shows, is how real they made it. Now, first thing is they're really not offshore. That's fake. Right. And, and, of course, they're not going to really do it offshore because it's so dangerous. But the rig itself they built on land looks exactly like a real offshore right. rig. They even use the same exact doors that are watertight so that when the cast have to open and close the door, it looks real from the weight of the door. Uh -huh. But just like you, I watched it. So, first thing, my – when I first watched the first series, I was waiting for them to be very anti-oil and gas, and I'll give them credit. They're not, right? Yeah. But there's just something about mixing supernatural with oil production, which just doesn't – it's not entertaining to me. Yeah, it just – I couldn't get into it. The I, real science and danger and adrenaline rush of actually running real oil and gas operations is enough. Yeah. I don't need spooky stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't need spooky fog, supernatural fog to be mixed in. But if this is your sort of stuff, check it out. Evidently, enough people like the show that they've actually yeah. renewed it, which is really cool. They've kept most of the original cast, which is also really cool. And they're going to have a new – twist to the plot because they're trying to get more people globally to actually get into it which honestly if more people get into the show and they it helps them see the oil and gas industry in a slightly better light i'm okay with that even though the show's not for me yeah it's just not for me yeah i don't have anything against it it's just yeah, but good not... good for them for the cast and for the production company to have it picked up again by amazon studios i'm actually surprised by that I thought there would be more pushback by, you know, anti-oil so well, and gassers. They did get pushback on the show. And I don't know about lately, but in the first season, they got pushback because they didn't address the environmental impact that the rig made. And so what the producer said, they, they went and did their research. And they come back and go, it makes no environmental impact. Like, what you want me to make up stuff that we're damaging the world? Right. We're not. So I thought it was kind of cool that the production company had the research to back up the fact that the rig itself had no environmental impact to – if it was a real rig, you know, real operating part of the North Sea. Yeah. 
Okay. Kazakhstan could suspend natural gas exports next winter. Say that again. Kazakhstan could suspend natural gas exports this next is winter. This is huge. This is huge. Remember me talking about winter in Europe's going to be bad this year for yeah. lack of fuel, but next year's going to be worse. This is exactly what I was afraid of. So you're talking about 25 billion cubic meters of gas coming offline. What they're saying is that they're not going to have enough gas to export. They're going to they're gonna have enough gas for their own use, but not enough to export. Mm. And so the energy minister is saying, look, we're going to have to think through this. We know a lot of countries depend on us exporting gas to them, a lot of, of Europe. But we're not going to have enough to export. We're going to have just enough for ourselves, and we're going to hold on to that for our people, which is awesome. Now, at the same time, they produce a lot of crude oil, and that crude oil is actually will be available for export depending on what goes on in the freaking pipeline world over there, oh, right? Because there's a bunch of, of issues over there with pipelines. But like I said, this is one of the things I was really worried about is the lack of natural gas for Europe in 2024. And this is the first sign. I mean, it's just February. This is the first sign that things could be really bad next year in Europe. Now, later on, we have some articles that are maybe make it not as bad, but this is not a good sign. Mm -mm. And this is a huge blow to Europeans' ability to not depend on Russian natural gas, which Russia is probably really happy that Kazakhstan won't be able to export natural gas next winter to Europe. Alrighty. Ecuador calls force majeure on almost all of its oil production. So I didn't realize this. So Ecuador is not a geographic size. It's not a huge country, but it's a pretty right. decent sized country. Mm -hmm. And they have oil production scattered throughout the country. It's not one central part of the state. What I didn't realize is that it came to the export ports and refineries over one bridge called the Markers River Bridge. And they had a whole bunch of rain in Ecuador just recently, and the ground softened, and that bridge collapsed, which then destroyed the pipeline infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So now they're having to bring the wells offline because they can't deliver the, that oil and that gas anywhere because the pipeline infrastructure is gone. It's going to take them months to rebuild everything, and then they have to bring the wells back online. Now, you and I and the audience knows that it's rather quick to shut down a production well. But when you want to need to restart it, you don't do it overnight. It takes a little bit of time, right? And so you're going to see this is going to drive up. Actually, the perception of this has already driven up all prices today. It's Wednesday, February 28th. I'm sorry, Tuesday, February 28th. But all prices already spiked because of the perception of this. And they called force majeure because they had no other choice. It's basically an act of God. And so they're having to turn the wells off. They're having issues getting these pipelines back online. Ecuador's economy depends heavily on these oil and gas exports. About one-third of their revenue comes from these oil and gas exports. And so it's going to be bad. And it's going to be bad for the country itself because they're not going to have the revenue that they normally have. Right. Now, once they get the infrastructure built, once they get the pipelines built, what I'm hoping is they see that this constraint is a risk and they actually build alternate routes for the pipelines. Yeah. It's a nationalized oil company over there. I can't remember the name of their nationalized oil company. Peta Ecuador, I think, is the name of it. Mm. So Peta Ecuador has the money. Let's hope that once they rebuild this infrastructure, they build additional pipeline capacity that's geographically separate from this bridge. So this yeah. doesn't ever happen again. The good thing is, from what I understand, nobody got hurt. Good. The bridge good, collapsed. good, good. Yeah. Okay, speaking of wild stuff, three fires at Pemex facilities in one day. So, you know I'm not a conspiracy theorist, right? Right. So, two fires at Pemex facilities in Veracruz, and then one fire at Pemex facility here, right here in Texas, right? Yeah. But they were all Pemex facilities on the same day. Yeah, so this actually came to my attention on TikTok because, you know, everybody's freaking out about train derailments, and then this happens. And so that kind of goes back into that whole conspiracy theory thing. And I was just like, hmm, maybe. What are the odds that – so the two fires in Veracruz – 
One was in a drilling facility, one was in a storage facility that were geographically sort of close to each other. I could say that's coincidence. I, I really could. Yeah, I but know. But then on the same day in another country, yeah. in a, the Mex facility, you have another fire. You know, if the audience knows that my original company, Modal Point, was around before OGGN, Pemex is the only company that Modal Point's ever had that Modal Point fired. Oh, I, that, uh, honestly, a, that does not surprise yeah, me. Yeah, there are a lot of people out there that do not like Pemex. They have a very bad history of letting people and companies and contractors do work and not paying them or paying them a year late. This could be somebody has a chip on their shoulder and wanted to get back with Pemex. I honestly don't know. It just seems almost impossible that you could have three fires in the same day, all in the Pemex facilities with the, in different in a different country. Yeah. The other thing that's sad is there's four people that are missing so far. <gasps> yeah, so we don't know what happened to them. Let's hope that they're fine oh, and they're just not accounted for. But one of these fires actually included an explosion, which is which is not, not good. good. Not good at all. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on this. It is seems almost impossible that it would happen in three different facilities. But the other thing is you have to the last couple of years, remember in the Bay of Camp Chichi back in 2021, they had a fire on a, a production platform. I actually think I remember talking to your dad about this. Yeah, because he did some work out there and yeah. they took over the platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, because I remember it happened out in like I thought it was a pipeline. It was a pipeline, but it was a pipeline offshore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll keep an eye on this. Let's, you know, let's hope that it was just a coincidence that's one of those freaky things and that there's not any, you know, ill intent going on. And if anybody knows anything, please reach out. Let us I'm know. I'm very interested. Okay, so Tanzania, green lights, world's longest heated crude pipeline. That's pretty cool. Yep. So uh, 1,443 kilometers, which is my... Math is right. It's right around 1,000 miles, like 980-mile crude pipeline. So this is no, like, short pipeline. Yeah. You want to guess why it's heated? Because it's cold. So Close. There's a temperature difference outside of the pipeline. Close. This oil is very heavy oil. Oh, uh, okay. Very heavy oil is like trying to flow Vaseline. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> if you heat it, it flows much. It's easier to, to that flow. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is cool. You know, we got our fan club out in Tanzania. We used to have, before the pandemic, we had a OG and oh, social. Oh, that's got, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we I had a happy hour in Tanzania that is a beautiful, long story. But anyway, this is just, this is showing how the state of Tanzania is doing extremely well. They're starting to clean up corruption. Actually, they've been cleaning up corruption. Right. Yeah. Their hydrocarbon production is increasing dramatically, which is good for the people. They need to be able to move these hydrocarbons to market. And this 1,443-kilometer pipeline is how they're going to do it. The cool thing is they've already got funding put together for this. Awesome. Yeah. And so this is literally just good for everybody. It's good for the world because we're still in this energy shortage. It's good for their partners, which I think is Total and Sinoc, uh, or investors in this project because they can get a return on their investment. It's actually good for the Tanzania nationalized oil companies, and it's actually good for their neighbors. So one of the things that's going to happen around this is there's been a lot of tribal conflict in that part of the world for hundreds of years, right? But when you can start making money, all of a sudden, the tribal conflict, instead of becoming conflict, becomes tribal cooperation. Right. And so in, you're seeing their neighbor in Uganda saying, look, we'd like to help you this. We'd like to provide laborers for this project. So this is just like cool for everybody. Now we just need the guerrillas and the, the Republic of Congo to put down their arms and go, look, let us help this too. And that part of Africa will actually settle down and have just a ton of prosperity. But I, I love seeing this. This is awesome. Yeah, prosperity. Okay. Adnock raises world's largest IPO to $2.5 billion. $2.5 billion. Billion. Billion with a B. 
So this has been going on for a little while, and the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia is doing their IPO. So basically, they're taking Saudi Aramco public or a big part of it. This is the largest IPO in Abu Dhabi's history, and this is one of the largest IPOs in the world. Yeah. Now, a couple of things. This is going to open the books to public scrutiny for Saudi Aramco. I think that's a wonderful thing. I'm actually surprised that they actually let this that, happen. Yeah, I'm surprised this is going to clean up a lot of corruption that goes on, right? Right, yeah. Which I think is good for everybody. The money that they're, they're going to raise here with the initial public offer, and actually everything's already been sold. So if you want to get into this, it's too late. <laughs> everything's <laughs> sold within, a, I think, I think the first day. Oh. I think almost 4 billion shares were sold almost that first day. That's crazy. Yeah, because everybody knows it's such a good deal. Yeah. That money is going to help Saudi Arabia increase production and get into other parts of the value chain. So it's going to help them build refineries. It's going to help them build LNG export facilities, which once again will help supply the world with energy in a time that we're in an energy shortage. But it's also going to do stuff like build bigger desalinization plants so there's mm-hmm. more fresh water. It's going to build more cities, more schools for that part of the world. So in the grand scheme of things, this is really cool. I am dying to see the books of Saudi Aramco. I, and, and, <laughs> and let me be very clear here. They did not take all of Saudi Aramco. It's a big part of it. But I am dying to see the financials. I'm dying to see what their break-even costs are, what money they get pumped into other governments, where they try to spend money to sway political elections, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So much, much more to come from this. But I'm happy to see this happen. This is awesome. Okie dokie. There goes my stomach. I'm starving. Is that what that is? Yeah, that's my stomach. Okay. I know. I know. It's a personal problem. <laughs> Wild Weld Control, Endeavor Technologies partner to enhance drilling simulators for well control training. See, this is where our industry mixers will take place at Endeavor Technologies. And you'll actually get to see the simulator. Yeah. So, so Endeavor does some really cool stuff. Think of the metaverse crossing <laughs> the oil and gas industry. They have, when I say drilling simulation, it is amazing. It's the same chair, same controls. There's screens everywhere. There's sounds. They have the ability to change temperatures. And what they do is they do basic training. So if you wanted to become a driller, you could go and learn the basics. But the biggest thing they do, and this is why Wild Well is partnered with them, is they throw all kinds of issues at the operators. So if you're in that drilling chair, they may throw a hurricane at you or a fire or a mud pump failure. Right? Yeah, I'm not really good at yeah. those things, and but so I suck at video You have to learn how to anyway. deal with all of that so that when you're in the real world and something like that happens, you know how to respond. So like the same way the military trains you. you yeah. Know, you train through every possible scenario there is, so there's nothing that can scare you other than Paige's stomach. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> But we love Wild Well Control. We've actually been trying to get them on the HSE show. We love Endeavor Technologies. That's our new home for our, our Houston oil and gas industry mixers. And it's just cool to see the students go through this. If you come to our industry mixers and you come early enough, you can actually sit in the drilling chairs and actually operate a drill wig without taking a chance of hurting somebody. I did that somebody. once at OTC, like before the pandemic. So I've tried to do it again, I was just like, there's no hope for it me. Is, it is much harder than you think it is. And it's not like playing a video game, although in some ways it really is. Kind of, yeah. but not, not exactly. There's um, just so much going on. There's a lot going on that you have to pay attention to. And there's a lot of automation that in some ways makes your job easier. Mm-hmm. But in other ways, if you lose that automation, which is one of the drills they do, and you have to go back to manual process, you have to know your stuff. So I just I love the fact that Wildwell Endeavor is making sure that our drilling operation teams out there know what they're doing. They can do things safe and environmentally responsibly, no matter what Mother Nature throws at them. So the next article is the Netherlands. Energy infrastructure is vulnerable to Russian sabotage. 
I, I didn't ever think this through, but it makes total sense. So basically, the Dutch have figured out that the Russians have covertly mapped the entire infrastructure of the North Sea. So they know where every pipe, every umbilical, every electrical connection, every junction, every plet, every manifold, every tree. They know where all the stuff is out there. Mm-hmm. Now, you do that for a couple of reasons. One is you want to make sure that you don't mess any of that stuff up if you're doing any type of operations like right. anchoring a ship, right? Yeah. The other reason you do that is if you want to take somebody's infrastructure out, if you want to hurt a country in a wartime, the first thing you want to do is deprive them of energy. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so now that Russia knows where everything is, knows tactically how they could take out the most infrastructure with the least amount of effort, that gets into a whole nother world of having to harden these assets. And I did a little bit of research. In the Gulf of Mexico, actually, a lot of the assets that we have also have been mapped by us, right? Mm -hmm. And probably by other people that aren't fans of the U.S. But some of those assets are actually hardened. Some of the internet connectivity, so there's huge massive subsea fiber optic cables that basically go from Miami, Florida to Atlanta, Georgia, to New Orleans that forms a triangle, right? Mm -hmm. And that triangle, the internet data can flow either way. So even if you cut one of those cables, which just cutting one is almost impossible, the data can be rerouted. And the Gulf of Mexico oil and gas operations use that triangle of connectivity as security for their connectivity for all the data they need to move back and forth, right? So it's at least in the Gulf of Mexico, some of that stuff's been hardened from from bad players. It looks like here in the North Sea, none of it's been hardened because nobody's ever thought that anybody would do something like Mm. this. And we know what happened to Nord Stream 2. We still don't know why. Um, Or who. Well, I do think it's funny that a lot of people are pointing that the Americans did it. And I just, I tell people both socially, online, and in person, it's like, look, I promise you, I promise you, the U.S. military had nothing to do with that because if we would have done something with Nord Stream, you would have not have known. You would have not have had the ability to record three sonic impressions of the explosions. If the U.S. military wanted to do something, it would have looked like an accident. It would have yeah. looked like something corroded. Didn't Switzerland figure out who it was, but they won't they say won't who tell. it is? Yeah. 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 You know, I love my oil and gas folks in Russia, but I still think Russia did it. Mm. We may never know. Yeah. Which, by the way, guess who I had lunch with yesterday? Who? The Ukraine Open Conference. Okay. So they're fans of OGGN. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So they took me to lunch yesterday because they're fans of the podcast. And I'm actually. That's the least they could do. (laughs) I'm actually recording them tomorrow. And so that's going to be aired on the balance point. I have no idea what it's going to look like. Oh, well, surprise everyone. (laughs) All righty. Germany plans to have the world's fourth largest LNG import capacity by 2030. I guess so. You don't want to buy that Russian gas? You got to build it. And, you know, we've talked about this, that it's one thing to build the export facilities, but then you have to take that same liquid gas, be able to offload it. So you need import terminals. And then you got to turn that liquid gas back into a vapor so you can put it in your gas systems. So you have to have regasification plants too. So it's not just the ability to export. You have to have the ability to import it and, and turn it back into gas. That's what Germany's doing. And I'm actually odd so hats off to the german people if anybody could do build this much complicated massive infrastructure in a short amount of time they're looking to have this finished by 2030 right that's only seven years from now you know i love the united states but it would take the u.s 40 years to do well this. It's just to get through permitting <laughs> or just to get through permitting would probably Good take Lord. us a decade right because germany's no longer receiving russian gas via the Nord Stream pipelines They've decided that they want to be able to import LNG. We've talked about this before. There's a lot of countries that can substitute that Russian gas. We're the number one if our politicians would get out of the way as being able to supply Europe with LNG. But you're also seeing the Middle East do it. You can see Africa start doing it. You can see Canada. Our Canada is starting to do it now, even though Canada has the same crazy political obstacles that we have. 
But this is just wonderful. And not only are they building the facilities, the terminals to offload it and to regasify it, they're actually building floating storage and regasification units. So FSRUs. The genius around that is no matter what happens, if something else blows up, if something else breaks, if some conflict takes, you move the facility because it's a ship. It's not static like the facilities that you build normally, right? So they're really, really thinking ahead. So hats off to you, Germany. Even though I still make fun of you and your Interwind program, which failed, this is the right thing to do. And I think it's cool the amount of partners they have. So Total's in there, Chevron's in there, Metagroup's in there. So this is what's needed for Europe. And I just, I'm very proud of German government, and the German people for taking lead on this and doing what needs to be done as quickly as humanly possible. All right. So last one, I really thought this was neat and where the proceeds are going. Bullets and bombs to oil and gas. Aberdeen Energy Boss launches leadership book. Yeah. So this is really cool. So this is talking about a guy named Stephen Harris. This is about Stephen Harris, his idea in running big oil and gas businesses for over 20 years. And one of the things that he's had to deal with is true leadership, literally from everything from having to worry about physical security. So that's where the bullets came from. Yeah. Right. To how do you run a company when you have to lay people off? How do you spot top talent? And so what he's done is he's taken all the lessons that he's learned. He's put together in a small book to help others teach themselves how to be a leader. And then what's really, really cool is the proceeds of this book is going to... I think McMillan's. McMillan Cancer Center, right? Yeah, because he had a scare. Yeah, because he had a scare. So this is just great. And, you know, I don't know other industries, but when I think of leadership, especially during trying times, the oil and gas industry has to be the number one, right? Yeah. The stuff we have to do and the way we have to lead our people through sometimes horrible times, there's a lot of lessons to learn. So hats off to him for putting this book together and also donate the money to a really, really good cause. Yeah. And the name of the book is The Little Book of Leadership. And I have found the Amazon link for it if anybody's interested in reading it. I actually bought it myself, so I don't think it's too long. I think it's like almost 200 pages maybe. Yeah. So Yeah. So the link's in the show notes, everybody, for this and everything else we've talked about. Speaking about the books, we don't do those yet, although it's on the work somewhere. But if you'd like to advertise with us, it's really simple. You've written a book. It's never been published. Oh. Yeah. I wrote the Oil and Gas Sales book, and then we figured out it would make more sense to turn it into a course. Oh, okay. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> Good job. So it's, I've written a book, but nobody's read it because it's never been published. <laughs> but what has been published is our pricing for all our advertising. Thank you for the segue. So if you'd like to advertise with us, if you're a small company, if you're a Fortune 10 company, it doesn't matter. We got you covered. Go to OGGN.com, check out pricing. Let us know if you have any questions. Our energy continuity conference is still happening. There's a link in the show notes for that if you want to be an exhibitor. Weekly rig count page. Where are we? Well, we're down a little bit, but the United States is at 753, down seven. Canada's at down four at 244. Internationally, we're up one at 901. Still strong numbers. Very yeah. strong numbers. Just like our LinkedIn group, over 50,000. If you want to join, go to LinkedIn. Actually, no. Go join. Not if you want to join. Go join our LinkedIn page. It's the best way to learn about all the new stuff we're doing, including stuff like our mixers. And then while you're out there on the interwebs, if you want to ask a question for First Friday Q&A, don't send me a video on Twitter like Luther Dig. That's a little awkward. Although you can't hit me up on <laughs> you can't hit me up on Twitter and send me a question. The other place is to go to OGGN.com or oilandgasthisweek.com is a place where you ask a question for First Friday Q&A. And then, you know, the events are heating up. We talked about the events that we're going to, like Sarah Week. We talked about an industry mixer. We talked about uh, events going around the world. If you'd like all those events put in your inbox once a month for free, sign up for my monthly All I Guess Events newsletter. 
And then if you'd like myself to come speak at your event, one of our experts do a live podcast, which we're doing in Colorado in a couple of weeks. Yeah, like three, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. Happy to share the details on that. All right. Audrey's looking at us funny. Your stomach is growling right now. <laughs> yeah. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.